it's working. Yeah. Garage band seems to be working. Welcome. Don't you love that? Don't you love tech on the air? What up? Welcome to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar. I am your host for the next hour. Excited to be joining you live Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. Is it April already? Oops All Topics is brought to you by the Savage Podcast Network, reminding you to always lose your fear and find your voice. Follow or DM me on Twitter at or Instagram at the Jedgar. That's T-H-E-J-E-D-G-A-R. And follow, share, and download the show at oopsalltopics.podbean.com. Also, if you don't mind, uh, subscribe and review on Apple Podcast. We are all out of sorts today. I don't know about you, but I am just so busy during this global pandemic. I mean, what did I even do today? It's not even on the on the script. Uh, I mean, I, I had to go, I had some plumbing issues, believe it or not. Uh, the missus and the mother-in-law went out and shopped for a couple of hours. Frankie's just a handful. And then the whole reason that this even feels rushed is because I want to make sure uh, that I don't miss uh, SVU tonight. I'm recording this on Thursday night. It's kind of a Thursday night podcast. So I'm only going to speak for uh, 40 minutes here, but I've got a, I've got an action-packed show today. I've got everything filled out to the brim. So anyways, errors and omissions from last week. I have never stumbled upon an acronym that I gave myself more than last week. Do you remember A&W? What, what Marvel movie has A&W as, like, the titles? Ant-Man and Wasp. That's what I forgot, Ant-Man and Wasp. And that was under the, uh, under the feature discussion on if there are more superhero- superheroes, is the movie better? Ant-Man and Wasp is kind of tied with, like, the first Ant-Man. So that one, it doesn't really make much sense. Anyways, also, did you hear... Uh, or did you see the class discussions on, I want to say, Monday? Uh, if you subscribe to this uh, channel, uh, Oops All Topics or Savage Podcast Network or whatever, uh, chances are you saw my Edgar class discussion. Uh, you can listen to that if you want. It's just a 20-minute discussion about what I'm telling my classes that I'm uh, teaching over this semester. I don't know. It might be a fun little inside uh, Edgar's brain and speech class uh, segment for you. And then last but not least, uh, if you don't know, uh, we have new music because we're at home and we're not, we don't have like the radio station to back us up with all the music. Uh, so I had Jess, uh, my lovely wife, create uh, our, our intro and outro music and um, we couldn't really come up with a very good name so we just came up with Lefty Flip and Lefty Flop. <laughs> Lefty Flip, of course, is what you have to do in Guitar Hero whenever you're like me and you're left-handed. All right, my watch list. Uh, Better Call Saul. Um, I am just, I'm loving Better Call Saul right now. I think it's one of my three favorite shows going right now. Um, I would say my three favorite shows right now, um, Ozark, which is uh, what pretty much what our feature discussion is going to be today. Uh, Better Call Saul, can't wait for it. And honestly, honestly this, the, this newer rendition of, um, of, of Walking Dead. I'm not saying like it's been rebooted or anything, but since a- Angela Kang has become the the, the show's uh, showrunner, uh, the episodes have gotten better and better. I thought there was one other show that I would put up there, um, but I digress. Uh, but anyways, what I wanted to talk about with Better Call Saul today is just what happens to the characters that are so intricate to the plot right now, but have no place in better in uh, in Breaking Bad. Right, because we're getting closer and closer to the time where 
the the events of Better Call Saul happen in Breaking Bad, and we still don't know what happens to Kim, his uh, his his lovely wife, after this most recent episode. Uh, Nacho, who is kind of like this suave version of uh, of Jesse Pinkman, but in the Better Call Saul universe, and also Lalo, who seems to be like the the big bad for Gus and Mike in uh, seasons three and four. Uh, or is this five of Better Call Saul? Like, there's so many really good plots going, and they have to wrap them up uh, before, before like, the events of Breaking Bad. And they've only said that they're only going to have, like, two more seasons after this. And trust me when I say, folks, Better Call Saul is awesome. The first three seasons are a little slow because they focus on, the, uh, on his brother Chuck and how he kind of holds him back from being Saul Goodman. But once he... I well, you know, Joe would be mad at me if I if I spoiled anything. But let's just say once Chuck is out of the picture, then you really see Saul Goodman thrive, and also the plot picks up in other areas as well. So if you can really get through the first three seasons, and they're pretty good too, if you like good writing and if you like Vince Gilligan, then you're going to be great. You're, you're going to love that show. Uh, also, The Walking Dead. The only thing I was going to say about this is that it's um, it's decent uh, these days with Angela King as the front runner, as the showrunner, the front runner. That's funny. Um, I'm enjoying the episodes, and that's how I know whether I'm liking Walking Dead or not. Sometimes it's like, since I don't have cable per se, I have to pay for the episodes of The Walking Dead, and it's like, if I'm excited to pay for like a $2 episode, that just means that I'm, I'm digging Walking Dead, but there's been some seasons in the past where it's like, ugh, do I even want to do this, or do I just want to wait for it to be on Netflix? And so I'd say The Walking Dead... I think we're at a good. I think we're at a good fever pitch right now, where we got really good bad guys. Uh, oh, and here's another thing: the finale was pushed due to the coronavirus. Uh, I don't know when they're going to show the the finale, but what they do is they do like two seasons, or I'm sorry, two eight two. There's like a, there's like a fall season and a spring season for Walking Dead, and they do eight episodes in each season. And, but they culminate, culminate into one big season, right? So it's all just like season 10 or whatever, but we have season 10A and season 10B. We're literally on episode 15 coming next week, and then it's like there's going to be a break. So 15 episodes in, and then we don't even know when we're going to find see episode 16, right? And for all intents and purposes, it's going to be a good episode. You're talking about a season finale of Walking Dead. Like people jump into those episodes. And then my the last thing I'm going to do, uh, talk about in, on my watch list is uh, Ozark, but I'm not going to spend too much time on it because that's going to be our feature, folks. Ozark is my favorite show right now, and one of the reasons why is because it is so much comparable to Breaking Bad. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of break down season three, kind of give you my review, but also kind of tell you at the same time, kind of concurrently, why I feel like the show is very comparable to Breaking Bad. So stick with me. All right, let's move on to current events. And let me catch up here. Don't you like it when I type on the radio? Angela Kang, that's such a good name. All right, I mean, current events, also known as the Corona Corner, because what like what news, besides Tom Brady being uh, traded to Tampa Bay, has there been besides the coronavirus, or at least not tangentially connected with the coronavirus? Um, the big news this week is just the the heavy sigh, the the sobering, uh, the the serious, the however you want to call it, conclusion that every uh, model and scientific expert is saying is that if we are extremely lucky, we're going to have between a hundred thousand and two hundred and forty thousand deaths. 
right? That doesn't sound very lucky, folks. That sounds like a quarter of a million people got what Trump calls the Chinese flu and died. That's not even the infected, folks. That's the people who are going to catch this thing, and two days later, they're going to die, right? Millions are going to be infected, if not already, all right? This thing has been crazy from the jump, and we and April is going to be just an insane month, right? That's how April started, was like Dr. Fauci coming out and saying, look, this is not going to be a good month at all. And you know when Trump, he, he's a businessman, right? Trump likes to play the part of saying everything's good, the quarterly earnings are going to be great, you're going you're gonna to love it. When he's saying you're not going to love April, you're not going to love April, the economy is going to be so bad and the coronavirus is going to kill so many people and you're probably going to be you're probably going to either going to get it yourself or you're going to know somebody who got it or sadly you're probably going to know somebody who died from it april is just shut down folks like no one is doing anything schools are transitioning to online um, i think that's going to be a huge thing coming post pandemic uh, is besides people going again to their haircut, <laughs> I think that there's going to be a huge uh, renaissance in online learning just because everybody was thrust into it, all the students that were thrust into it, whether they have trepidation about it or not. And people are going to be like, whoa, I actually like online. It's super fun. Maybe I'll do it next semester. And then you're going to have way more people online than face-to-face. Mark my words, as a professor that literally had to take his job face-to-face to online, that's going to be the big thing post-pandemic. Uh, let's see here. 6,000 United States deaths. That is a little under two 9-11s, okay? And that's one of the reasons why Dr. Fauci, one of my favorite scientists coming out, well, he's pretty much the spokesperson for infectious disease, he, he is the scientist that is telling us the serious stuff whenever Trump is bloviating about something else. And so, sadly, this is one of the saddest stories about the coronavirus is that Dr. Fauci is now going to have to have his own protective security. People in, SUV, in black SUVs following him around and protecting him at his whim because there's so many, I'll say it, Trump supporters who want Dr. Fauci to downplay the fucking pandemic. Are you kidding me? And so much that they, so much to the point that they want to murder him. Like, are you kidding me? Why are you, why are you murdering this scientist? So, so maybe you don't. Like, what do you think is going to happen? The person that replaces him are just going to say, "Yeah, everything's hunky dory." It's in the news. Okay, I'm so tired of this. You know, the left wing media propaganda is is making this story bigger than it is. No, what you do is you say, what's a big ass event that's happened to America in the 21st century? 9-11, probably one of the biggest events in our history. How many people did that kill? 3,000. This pandemic is this pandemic has killed 6,000 people. That's two 9-11s. That's pretty bad. And whenever you have evidence that Trump was downplaying this from the start and calling it a hoax and we have, you know, evidence of him saying that it's going to be it's going to be on his shoulders the blood is going to be on his hands the cruise ship is going to be on his hands 
right? Like, the, have you seen about, have you ever heard about this cruise ship that is now, thankfully, going to be docked at Fort Lauderdale? But I remember joking about these cruise ships a couple of weeks ago. Folks, that would not be, that is a no joking matter anymore. Because imagine you go on a cruise and suddenly there's people that are infected with the coronavirus on it. And what do we know now? You could get symptoms for this thing and then two days later die. And so you can either stay in your room, which is so cramped and has no television and no internet unless you pay for it, or you can walk outside and potentially get a deadly disease. Like, seriously, they you can't write more like like fiction that is crazier than that and that's that like this whole thing is is crazy as can be and cruise ships are just like how how does the cruise ship industry recover after this it was already bad to begin with all right so two businesses and i've actually dabbled in both of these businesses that i just want to kind of do a little pro con with and the first one's zoom Zoom is going to be huge after this. If education is going to is going to take off as far as like at home or a lot of online, then Zoom is going to be the big thing that everybody goes as far as like and and does meetings and things like that. And like classrooms are going to take place on Zoom. That's the pro. But what's the con? People have already been able to infiltrate these Zoom rooms or whatever and then like all hell breaks loose and things like that. So you really can't have that. And also you might have people that are, you know, shouldn't be in the class, but they, but they're in the zoom, in the, in the, in the meeting or something like that. And then that's going to be like violating, like, you know, the, the professor has like a list of individuals that can only be in the class. And so whenever people are literally like like hacking to get into the zoom room, then there's going to be issues. Also Instacart, um, I have done all the steps to become an Instacart person, and in fact, me and Jess tomorrow are going to try it out, but if you haven't seen what Instacart is, uh, it's pretty much like Uber for delivering your groceries. Um, so tomorrow, we're going to try this out. I'll let you know about it next week, but anyways, you go out and you pick someone's groceries up, and then you deliver it to them, and apparently you get money for it. Folks, I'm at home already, and my online job is done. What do I? What? What else am I doing? Here's the con though, and there's actually two cons, and they and they link to each other. First off, you have to go out in public, right? Like, who really wants to go out in public just for fun to make money, especially if it's Instacart? Do I really want to go out and make like a eight eight dollars off of a huge grocery list to and deliver to somebody else and potentially get the coronavirus? That doesn't sound very fun. So if I do go out, we're going to like really just – we're going to look like a, one of these freaking nurses on, on Good Morning America. But also Instacart isn't doing anything to protect your health. So there's already like this um, – there's already like this lawsuit. Again, no, there, it wasn't a lawsuit. It was a um, – there was a big strike on Instacart, like all the Instacart uh, consumer uh, uh, shoppers, like struck on. Uh, they 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 went on strike on Monday, I want to say, because of unsafe working conditions. And they're talking about the exact same thing I'm talking about. Whereas even in the pandemic, Instacart is thriving, just like Zoom is thriving. But there's disadvantages to it being just so quick all of a sudden. Especially if that's the one thing people need is groceries, and they're too scared to get it. You know why they're too scared? to get it because they don't want to get COVID. <laughs> so I'll let you know, right? Maybe there won't be a podcast next week So I, because I go out and I buy five groceries and I get coronavirus and die. Knock on wood. I have to knock on wood. 
All right. We've also surpassed 1 million cases global-wide. Congratulations, coronavirus. You did it before you were five months old. Uh, 6,000 U.S. deaths, uh, 6.6 million unemployed. You talk about a hockey stick. Folks, we had like less than let's say 200,000 people that were like cons- like unemployed and it jumped from 6.6 million. You should see that on like one of those scales that measures it like daily. It just shoots straight up. Like we are in a huge crisis right now. Um, I'm going to talk more about unemployment, the unemployment numbers later, but this is one of the reasons why they passed such a huge stimulus package because at least 6.6 million people are attempting to get unemployment benefits and unemployment insurance. That is an unreal number. Aaron, remember when we, uh, I used to joke that you had said 90% in that one debate, uh, in that one debate round, this could get upwards of 30%. And that is crazy. One in three people in America don't have a job because of the coronavirus. Wow. Talk about a monster. Uh, the one good news is that gall uh, is that, you know, at the gas station closest to my house, a dollar ninety four a gallon. That is like two thousand early two thousand numbers as far as like gas is concerned. That means it's going to be probably two ninety four in California, and the national average is a dollar ninety nine. the The national average uh, for gas is a, is below two dollars right now. That's my gas tracker segment. I also have a new sub segment of Corona Corner uh, called the Bright Side of COVID. Do 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 do. <laughs> Burglaries are down. In fact, New York said it is striking how many people are not burglarizing in New York City. Like, I guess on any given day, you can just assume that people are like breaking into people's houses and stealing all their jewelry. Clinch my pearls. So what's the problem here? Number one, I guess even burglars are staying home, right? Because they could, they don't want to go out and get COVID-19. But also, if people are staying at home, I'm assuming that it's probably going to be pretty hard to break into someone's houses if they're already there. Um, I got this last statistic off of Zero Hedge, so I don't necessarily know if it is the most um, accurate of, uh, of ratings. Maybe I'll talk about it in errors and omissions, but they're saying that just overall deaths are going down because people aren't getting drunk and driving home. People aren't, you know, like walking their dog and suddenly, you know, die for whatever reason. Uh, people just, whenever you leave your home, you're susceptible to the world, which could kill you. And so whenever people are at home now and they're like under self-quarantine and things like that in a national shutdown, people aren't going out and people aren't just dying, right? People aren't going on cruises and dying on cruise ships, right? The only problem is, is that's going to be offset by the number of people that will actually die because of the coronavirus. So if we were to lose a quarter of a million people just from like drinking and driving accidents this year, that's going to be offset by the number of people that got COVID-19. The bright side of COVID, and pollution. Uh, pollution, they're starting to see models that pollution is going down because less people are driving, less people are using like energy and things. Yeah, I think it's more of like the driving, but maybe I can have that in the errors and omissions section as well. But overall, pollution is going down. And they and also, whenever you shut down certain factories and things like that, that's going to shut things down or that's going to reduce pollution as well. Industrial pollution, at least. And we saw that in China. All right. Anything else? 
That's Corona Corner. And once again, you're listening to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar. Uh, follow or DM me on Twitter or Instagram at the Jedger. Uh, follow, share, or download the show at oopsalltopics.podbean.com. And subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. And also, uh, keep checking on Apple Podcasts for my wife's new podcast, Frankie's Mama Reads. Uh, She's not a big fan of cross-promotion, but I am. And she, whether she likes it or not, is going to be a part of the Savage Podcast Network. So look up Frankie's Mama Reads, where she's going to give you discussions about books. If she's not on Apple Podcasts, eventually check other things like Stitcher and Spotify and things like that. I'm sure she's going to be on there eventually. And over the course of April, I'm going to try to hop on um, hop on those things as well. I'm very happy with Podbean and Apple Podcasts, and honestly, I don't want to promote any more than I have to. So there you go. All right, we're still not out of current events. Again, this is a news commentary show, so obviously current events is going to take a while. Where is my... Wow, 23 minutes left? There's no way. There's no way. I'm going to have to miss SVU tonight. (laughs) Maybe I won't go so far into current events. But anyways, um, what did I want to say about Trump? Oh, so Trump, this is the Trump talk segment of current events. Uh, Trump has been talking about how he is getting like all these big ratings. So apparently this is kind of like the pivot that Trump has done since he's not doing uh, rallies anymore. He feels like he's going to be able to get his message out with these daily briefings that happen at like three o'clock every day. I know we've been watching like the governor and things like that uh, of Illinois, but we also try to, we watch Trump just so we can watch Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and and whatever they're going to say. And folks, that's the reason why the ratings are so big. It is not Donald Trump. He thinks he is because he says it and because he thinks whatever comes out of his mouth is some sort of metaphysical truth. But the reason that people are tuning into these news conferences is not because we want to see our orange leader. It's because we want accurate information on the fucking pandemic that is going on right now. So, of course, the ratings are going to be big. We need to hear what to do. Do we need to hunker down? Do we need to wash our hands? Can you please tell us what to do? and quit thinking about the ratings or just being obsessed with the ratings. Oh, my God. It's not the end-all, be-all. All All right, let's move on to Front Runner. I don't want to spend very much time on Trump at all. I'm so tired of it. Okay, so anyways, the Front Runner. I wanted to talk about the, the psychology of enthusiasm. So let's see here. Where was I at? Oh, so I got an article. Um, I'm sorry. I'm talking about front. This is the front runner segment, and the reason I wanted to talk about uh, this is because it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee, and so eventually, until well, I guess we have to do we have to do this segment until Bernie Sanders drops out. But one one article that really popped out is that. 24% of Biden supporters are very enthusiastic about voting for him, which is less than half of Trump's 53%. While Republican voters vote for what they believe, no matter how extreme, Democratic voters are perennially playing themselves, voting for what they think other people want. 
Even as former Vice President Joe Biden solidifies his position as the frontrunner for the Democratic presidential nomination, a new ABC News The Washington Post poll shows fewer than a quarter of Biden supporters are very enthusiastic to vote for him in the general election, a historic low for a Democratic candidate in the survey. With 24% of Biden supporters reporting that they are very enthusiastic about casting votes for him in November, the former vice president has the lowest of enthusiastic support. They're just repeating themselves. Meanwhile, 53% of President Donald Trump supporters said they were very enthusiastic about voting voting for his re-election in the poll. The poll surveyed 1,000 Americans had a margin of error of 3.5. Okay, there you go. So anyways, what's this saying is that the the people that vote for Trump, they love voting for Trump. Aaron, you know who I'm talking about. And anyone else out there that just knows that person that just loves Trump, it's it's always Trump. He can do no wrong. And, And then they wear this on their sleeve, right? Like, folks, I was a big Obama supporter. I didn't talk about him every day, right? It's like, oh, good, Obama's in the office. We have someone who's going to protect Democratic values. Let's go on with our day. But if you're a Trump supporter and you know these Trump supporters, that's all they ever talk about. And it's because they're just trying to flood the zone. So that is the reason why Trump has a high enthusiastic rating. Anyways, here's the good news, uh, my little oopsies out there, is that it doesn't matter about enthusiasm, Joe Biden has still won upwards of 80, 85 polls against Donald Trump in a national election. Now, I'm not prognosticating that Joe Biden is going to win any sort of election, but there's just things that keep on building up. For starters, uh, Trump's uh, attempt to cover up the pandemic, which is going to kill a quarter of a million people, um, him telling... uh, uh, Michigan that uh, he wants them to say thank you before they send them ventilators. Like he could just lose Michigan right then and there, and then he just kind of pretty much essentially loses the election because that's just one you you can't lose. And also, if if him and the Florida governor bumble the response to coronavirus anymore, and Florida swings uh, swings to uh, to Joe Biden, because remember, Florida's still up in the air. If it's Joe Biden, if it's Bernie Sanders, of course Trump's going to get it. But if Flor- but if it's Joe Biden as the nominee, chances are, especially if they hate Trump at the end of this year, they're going to vote for Joe Biden. <clears throat> so there you go. Let's see here. Um, so I've been talking about how the the democratic process to pick a nominee has just fallen off the map, and and that's the thing, right? Like, what were we talking about before? How to fund Medicare for all, uh, immigration. Like, remember when we were talking about building a wall between the United States and Mexico and giving tax breaks to to millionaires and things like that, and the big old Muslim ban. Like it's just, it's just like COVID has just taken like it is just the story and it's the number one thing in politics right now. And so what I'm saying here is that whether you like it or not, coronavirus is going to shape this upcoming election and chances are it's going to shape the 2024 election. Think about it. What was the 2004 election about? It was essentially about 9-11. What about 2008? How come, uh, how come we voted for Obama? Because he was against the war in Iraq. And the same thing in 2000, uh, 2016, we didn't vote for Hillary Clinton because she supported the war in Iraq and Trump didn't. And so it's like these huge events, whether it be 9-11 or uh, the war in Iraq or we're living in it right now, the coronavirus pandemic, it's going to shape the election. So it, do you even remember what Pete Buttigieg wanted to do or Elizabeth Warren or even Bernie Sanders for this matter? Do you remember the Green New Deal? We're not talking about the Green New Deal anymore. We're talking about trying to get this unemployment at least at least under a million for God's sake.
Once again, you're listening to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar, uh, part of the Savage Podcast Network. Uh, follow or DM me on Twitter or Instagram at the Jedger. Uh, follow, share, or download at oopsalltopics.podbean.com and subscribe and review on Apple Podcast. All right, let's transition to weird science. How much time do I got left? 15 minutes? Uh, let's see here. We're going to do some rapid fire uh, weird science that has a little bit of coronavirus and a little bit of uh, Ozark. Uh, let's see here. The risk of 3D masks. So this is kind of like an errors and omission from last week whenever I said, hey, you could just 3D print yourself a mask. Chances are that might be a bad thing. According to MIT, the risk of using 3D printing to make personal protective equipment. Uh, Professor Martin Culpepper provides a ca- caution on the use of 3D printing to make masks and other PPE individuals for individuals on the front lines of the COVID-19 crisis. As the number of hospitalizations due to COVID-19 continues to rise across the United States, addressing the shortage of personal protective equipment, you know that is PPE, for healthcare workers has become increasingly urgent. Institutions and organizations across the country, including MIT, have been scrambling to collect and send unused face masks to local hospitals. In the race to protect doctors, nurses, and patients, some have suggested that technologies like 3D printing could be used to manufacture masks. Let's see here. Culpepper, a professor of mechanical engineering uh, and a member of MIT's governance team on manufacturing opportunities for COVID-19, says in an art in a uh, in an interview that let's see here that the biggest risk with 3D printing situations is the false sense of hope that we can quickly print PPE to address the needs. Well-intentioned people want to help and think 3D printing can address the current demand for medical devices and hospitals. However, the production of uh, PPE, for example, masks, is much more complicated than people might appreciate, and 3D printed masks may do more harm than good. So there's two things going on here, and I'll move right along. The first one is that they might not be as good as like these industrial strength masks, and also two, it might just take a freaking long time to do it because, again, it's a 3D printer. Like uh, Nathan my friend down in uh, Neosho, Missouri, he made me like this little Batman Buddha one time, and it was like this little, just like little tiny trinket. It took like six hours to do. So you can't be spending full four hours making a mask and then expect you and then like okay, well thank you, but we need like nine million more for the rest of the world. So maybe it's not so great that we're saying, hey, just go out and three D print your mask. You'll, you'll do a good job there. Okay, well, what about the six-foot rule? Have you heard of that? There might be risk to that as well. The oft-repeated guideline to stay six feet away from other people in order to reduce the risk of coronavirus transmission is based on decades-old research that is sorely needed updated for years, according to, to an MIT professor who studied the issue. So again, MIT is just doing us a big favor here by studying all this stuff. Avoiding people who have the virus or might have the virus is indeed an important and probably an effective way to lower the risk of transmission. But six feet could be too much too close, says Lydia Bariba, an associate professor at the Massachusetts Institute technology who studied the fluid dynamics of disease transmission. Although such social distancing strategies are critical in the current time of pandemic, it may seem surprising that the current understanding of the routes of host-to-host transmission and respiratory infectious diseases, that's COVID, are predicated is that the right word, on a model of disease transmission developed in the 1930s that by modern standards seems overly simplified. So this was written in the Journal of the American Medical Association last week. She believes, if I can strike, if you, if you go down here, under the right conditions, uh, particles after a sneeze can go 23 to 27 feet. 
Dr. Fauci also came out and said, sure, if you were in like some sort of sneezing competition and you and you had like the biggest sneeze you've ever had in your life and you had like a running start and everything, maybe you can get uh, 27 feet. So this one's kind of like a little and eh, it it's kind of like a perm do both sort of thing where it's like, of course, you don't want to be just going out and being in elevators all day long, but six feet might be okay. Sure, we need to update our research, but it's certainly not 27 feet. Like, we're not going to be able to have a society if we all get our own 27 feet, right? Like, eventually, we're just going to have to get the disease. All right. My other weird science has to do with the Lake Ozark shoreline. Now, I know this is like completely off subject in regards to coronavirus, but don't you want that this day and age? Don't you want something that's not coronavirus related? Okay, well, here you go. Anyways, the whole point of the show Ozark is that this money launderer um, uses kind of like, like moves down to the middle of the Ozarks and since there's just so much shoreline, there's so much like there's so much lake area, there's so much lack of inhabitants, even though there's a lot of people around. Um, it's a lot it's a lot easier to maybe launder your money. And so that's the whole point of the show. But in the very first episode, one of the main characters says that go to Lake Ozark because it has more shoreline than California. Now, whenever you hear that, you're like, now how's that possible? Missouri is not even the same size as California. But whenever you look like whenever you look at Lake Ozark from like a map, it looks like the biggest like snowflake you've ever seen in your life. And so there's just lots of like ebbs and flows and curves and all sorts of things that just make it Lake of the Ozarks. And after a while, sure, it maybe could be you could kind of see in your brain, yeah, maybe it could have more shoreline than California. But you know what? They're wrong. And all you got to do is do a simple search. For starters, how much shoreline does Lake Ozark actually have? According to numerous sources online, 1,150 miles. That's a lot. But do you know who has 3,000 miles of shoreline? California! Now I know I went to southwest Missouri where I learned math, but folks, 3,000 miles is bigger than 1,150. So, we'll give Ozark a pass right now, and anyone that's ever said, yeah, Lake Ozark has more shoreline than California, no, it doesn't. It's 1,150. California has almost three times as much shoreline than Lake Ozark. All right? But I digress. Yeah. So sticking with that, let's move on to our feature where I'm going to talk about and kind of review season three of Ozark, but I'm also going to kind of tell you a couple ways that I think Ozark is comparable to Breaking Bad, and I might even throw that here's why in because I think it's so always funny whenever people, whenever I see articles that like ask a question or make some sort of argument, and then it's like, here's why. So that's going to be our podcast for this week. But anyways, one of the reasons why I like Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, Ozark, and any other show like SVU, I'm going to be probably late to SVU tonight, is because I love crime drama. Mindhunter. Mindhunter is also on there as well. Anything that's like tense where you're seeing both sides of crime, where you're seeing like the FBI or the DEA or, or criminals, the cartel working with like 
drug lords and things like that, all that stuff, anything that's like explosive, I love that stuff. But also with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and Ozark, those are kind of like the three shows I'm going to talk about. These shows, if you have really good creative uh, creative writing teams, there's just so much area of opportunity for expansion, right? Like, for example, take Breaking Bad. Whenever it's like Walter White, he wants to sell his meth to like one drug lord. But then once he defeats that drug lord, then he moves on. And that's like that drug lord was just one small cog in this bigger uh, in this bigger like uh, um, organization. And then that organization works for the entirety of the Mexican cartel and so on and so forth. Well, that's a that's kind of what you see in Ozark where instead of them expanding across the border and things like that they're expanding more of like their enterprise so if you don't understand how you know money laundering works I'm not really great at it as at explaining at it as well but the cartel if they want to make their money legit they have to kind of feed it into a system that's like a cash that's like a cash business in season one the I want to say the the main character who is played by Jason Bay one of my favorite actors, uh, they, 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 uh, I want to say they buy a strip club, right? And so let's say that the strip club makes $100 a night. Well, since patrons, you know, use $1 bills uh, to pay for it, he can just take Mexican cartel money, throw in $50, and it's like, oh, we made $150, and suddenly his money is laundered. There's way more to it than that, and especially when you have millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that the Mexican cartel wants you to do. It creates like these huge mathematical equations, and that is what's comparable to Breaking Bad. Whereas you have Walter White, who's big into science, Marty Bird, that's the name of the character, he's really big into mathematics. He is so good at math that the FBI can't even catch him. Where in in Breaking Bad, where the DEA is always like one step behind Walter White, Hank never even finds out that uh, that Walter White is Heisenberg until like later on in the series. It pretty much from the from the very first episode, the FBI is completely aware of what the Jason Bateman character is doing. Uh, both shows have level ups where it's like like I talked about as, as soon as like Walter defeats Tuco, he moves on to Gus, and whenever he moves, whenever he becomes the big thing, then he has to worry about security and things like that. The same thing goes with Marty Bird. He buys a strip club, then he buys a restaurant, then he buys a casino. Like for Pete's sakes, he buys a casino. And last but not least, the setting. The setting isn't just Los Angeles or New York. It's Lake of the Ozarks, right? And Breaking Bad takes place in Albuquerque, and some of Better Call Saul takes place in Santa Fe. Like these places that it's not your your run-of-the-mill television show. Like how many shows are named after Chicago that's just 11 miles down the road? But here's the thing, folks. Do you remember where your your co- your little host is from? I'm from Missouri. I grew up going to Lake of the Ozarks. How many of us loved going up to Lake of the Ozarks and doing golf carts and, you know, and getting on like these speed boats and things like that and just swimming in the lake? It's super fun. You don't want to get the water in your mouth. That's for damn sure. But it's a super, super fun time. Okay. Laura Dern plays kind of like, uh, it plays his wife. Uh, what's her name? Damn. I'll tell you next week, but let's just call her Laura Dern. She is so great. And if she were to play the Skylar character, I think it would have made Breaking Bad any, like even better. Like I like the woman who played the Skylar in Breaking Bad. Uh, I think her name's Anna Gunn, but 
Laura Dern is just so good in this show for being like the wife in this crime drama where her husband is is doing all these bad things and she's enabling him. So great. And they run her through the ringer this season. Like they there's really there's a lot of conflict with her brother and that she's really close with. Uh, and it leads to a very emotional season. But also, they're making her, who is married to Marty Bird, like our, Amer- our white American who's like a prestigious family, the head of the cartel, let's say he's our El Chapo, but they call him Navarro in the, in, in the series, I think he's actually falling in love with her. And so you see at the very end of, the, of, of season three, him, Navarro, Marty Bird, the Jason Bateman character, and his wife, they're all three like hugging each other. And you know what that reminds me of? El Chapo, Sean Penn, and that, that actress lady. So I think that's where they're going in season four. Um, Cartel drama is involved. It's really involved in Better Call Saul. You see it in the second half of Breaking Bad, and you see it. I mean, it's it's the only thing that's going on in Ozark. He's trying to wash the the cartel's money. Um, I didn't know that if the cartel attacks the uh, the like like somebody in the United States, like they will go and shut down that cartel on on Mexican soil. Um, now. You're probably wondering what does the Mexican cartel have to do with like what with like Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri or part of it also takes place in Chicago, Illinois. Well, if you can have like a legit American business, then you could potentially launder money a lot easier and a lot better. And so that's what Marty Bird and his family are doing. They're like this squeaky clean family, so it seems, but secretly they're laundering money for the cartel. And if we know anything about the cartel, once you start working for them, it's very hard to get out. And so that's where like the where a lot of the emotional drama comes from this show. It's very similar to Breaking Bad. Uh, Helen this season is um, she's kind of like the Saul Goodman of of this show. Whereas like she's like the mob attorney, she's the cartel attorney, and she's just she's super good, super suave. She made her pretty much they made her untouchable in season two, but she had a lot of flaws and weaknesses in season three. Really good actress, almost like unbelievable how untouchable she was in season two and three. Uh, the FBI this season was really good. It seems like every season they have a different FBI character. The first two seasons it was Agent Petty. This season, if you're watching it, it's Agent Maya. She is so good. And I don't even think they ever mention it, but she is like seven months pregnant throughout the entire thing. Maybe a little bit fantastical how much the FBI knows about him and hasn't arrested him. Like he's all but just admitted it, and they they're all the time talking to him about a better. They're ne- he's never going to get a better deal than eighteen months, and he's like, so if I say that I'm working with Navarro, you'll give me this deal, and he's literally just admitting it. Like seriously, the FBI just can't come in and just break up this whole organization. It's very similar to how the DEA acts in in Breaking Bad, whereas the DEA is trying to hunt down Walter White, the FBI is trying to hunt down Marty Bird. See what I'm telling you? These shows are so comparable. Here's some of the cons. This is kind of a common occurrence in Netflix shows, and please tell me if you agree, some of my listeners, if you agree with this. 
in shows like House of Cards and in shows like Ozarks, and I'm sure there's other shows like that on Netflix, a lot of the resolution that characters get or and a lot of like how they move on from like one problem to the next is just like shouting and directing orders at one person as if like that's going to solve the problem. So let's say Frank Underwood on House of Cards has a problem and he just yells at his Secretary of State, Catherine Durant, suddenly the problem goes away. Well, sometimes you kind of get that with this show where it's like the lawyer yells at Marty and then something gets done or Marty yells at one person and it gets done. And it's just kind of like lazy writing and you get that sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes that happens in Breaking Bad too. I just don't remember it happening a lot. Happening a lot. Uh, it does have some long scenes. Um, I can't necessarily quite remember any off the top of my head, but honestly, I mean, I binge-watched it over a couple of days, so it's not like it really stood me up uh, or stopped me from watching it. And also, uh, this season, there was, like, this dream plot that Laura Dern was going through, like, where she was, like, killing Marty in her dreams. Um, but it, they never they never resolved that particular plot. I'm not even sure if it's, like, a thing on the Internet. Uh, but that was kind of like a couple of cons. But honestly, I, I, I'm stretching to find those cons just because it's such a good show. Like, I'm just going to say it right now. It's my favorite television show right now. Um, other similarities, they both have kids. You have uh, Frank, or Frank. You have Walt Jr. and Holly in Breaking Bad. And then in Ozark, you have, oh, time to go watch SVU. Uh, you have uh, Jonah and you have Charlotte. Right, uh, And then also the other symbolism is that Walter White, like I said, is really big in the science. Marty Bird is like super good at math. And it's almost like that's what they're kind of like wizards in. All Marty wants to do is launder his money. All Walter White wants to do ultimately is make his meth. That's the reason why I kind of look at that show as like a mad scientist. All he wants to do is put his formulas together and suddenly he's, he's, he's happy again. Um, symbolism. Now, obviously, not so subtly, at the beginning of every Ozark episode, there's like a symbol, there's like the, there's a big O, and there's a four square, where there's like four symbols that say like what's important in this episode. That's not really the symbolism I really enjoy. That's just kind of like a hide, that's just kind of like a seek and a seeker kind of thing, where it's like, ooh, if they show waffles in the symbolism of the episode, it's like, oh, if I just see waffles, I'm like really smart. It's just like a, it's like a find and seek. Uh, is it a hide-and-seek? It, it's just kind of like a seeking like mission for me. So I don't really care about the opening symbolism, uh, but much like Breaking Bad, there is some symbolism. Um, one of the characters that really doesn't give a fuck, her name is Ruth, so obviously she's kind of ruthless. Uh, the character named Charlotte, like Charlotte's web, like is this, is this, um, maybe she's like spinning some webs. I know it's kind of a stretch, but this is the symbolism that I'm always looking for. And then also, you know, I'm a big fan of Chekhov's gun. Well, they introduce a kind of like a weapon or some sort of like surveillance technology at the beginning of the season. And it comes to find, they come to find out that it really works later in the season for them. And that's it, folks. For me, it was uh, like coronavirus got me into my home, and what did I do when I was home? I binge-watched Ozark in between changing Frankie diapers. So it is 8.02 right now. I am missing 
uh, SVU right now. I really hope this recorded. I didn't go back to GarageBand to even see. It says I have about 46 minutes, so that's awesome. Uh, before I go, uh, once again, you're listening to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar, part of the Savage Podcast Network. Follow or DM me on Twitter or Instagram at the Jedger. Uh, follow, share, and download at oopsalltopics.podbean.com and subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. And here we go, Lefty Flop. Thank you.